Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 170 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here for the Festivus special edition of the show. Yes, Festivus for the rest of us. And Joe, I am exhausted with the holidays. I'm wor- I am just ready for it to all be over. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, seeing a lot of people getting sick and so forth, and uh, not to say that I'm not a little gun-shy going to my relatives, uh... Christmas Eve tomorrow. Um, I've already had two COVID tests within the last like <laughs> ten days. Depending on how the schedule looks tomorrow, I might go and get another one just to be on the safe side. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm all vaxxed up, um, but you know, it's all about the kids and holidays and stuff like that. Like, there's, I think the last of our stuff finally came in, and I may have been lamenting this publicly or privately. Um, you know, doing a lot of the Amazon orders where you get the thing where it's like, oh, well, if you combine these two or three or four items into one package, they'll all arrive together. And instead of arriving like in one day, they'll arrive in two days. I'm like, well, whatever. Right. So we'll do yeah. that. And then over the last like two or three weeks when we've been ordering stuff, we'll get that notification. We'll do that. So it all ships in one package. And then a day later, we'll get the notification that like, yeah, you know, those things that we pressured you into shipping together, we can't ship them together. Now they're going to be shipping on, like, four different days. Yeah, and half of it's probably with my uh, my Hogan Ultimate that's coming sometime 2022. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all my stuff that I bought, like, for Christmas shopping, that all came a while ago. Like, I've been, I, I'm very uncharacteristically on the ball when it came to getting stuff in the house, like, the, yeah. for gifts. Uh, I just absolutely hate wrapping presents like i would rather i don't know walk across hot coals or or watch WWE programming than wrap oh. <laughs> christmas presents like i love the gimmick of those bags that you can yep. stick things in like they have the ones that have the drawstrings at the top but uh those also cost money and i feel like wrapping paper is much cheaper but that's my problem is that when we get off the air for this recording this very snackable bite-sized podcast we're about to have uh i have to do some some wrapping well, my wife luckily does all the wrapping uh, for the household. Obviously, she can't wrap her gift, and <laughs> I know I'd mentioned part of her gift. And well, actually, you know, now that I have, now that I think about it, I have two weekly purchases, and oh. we'll talk about that later when it gets to the end of the show when I know she's asleep and can't hear me talking about what I got her for Christmas. Not that it matters, and so forth. So you want this show to move along, so let's move it along. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right. This Day in Wrestling History. It's always strange to me when wrestling happens this late into the holiday season, at least in modern times. You hear all your favorites talking about like, oh, you know, Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving were big uh, wrestling days. And, you know, the world is just different now, you know? Yeah. Uh, But on this day in wrestling history, we had two Ring of Honor events, uh, two final battles. uh, One, 2006 at the Manhattan Center. I think this might have been the first time uh, Ring of Honor ran at the Manhattan Center with a very interesting card. You know, this was kind of, you know, there was some discussion on Twitter, of course, over the last couple of weeks about 
the closure of Ring of Honor and what different people's golden eras of Ring of Honor are or were or could be or so forth. And a lot of people point to like 05 to 07 as like the golden era of Ring of Honor and this smack dab in the middle of it. Um, you know, I kind of would like I was still following, but I was kind of out of it. And a lot of this stuff doesn't rem- like stick with me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the Briscoes taking on Claudio and Hero uh, for the tag titles. And again, I, I remember the main event of Danielson against Homicide for the Ring of Honor title, which had been not the year long story, but it was uh, similar to the way that Tim booked when he was on the A show where they booked uh, the Ring of Honor versus CZW feud. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by, by the way, the A show. <laughs> well, they were off this week. They're taking a couple of weeks off, I'm sure, for the holiday. Uh, These shows, no days off. Everybody may not be here, but we don't take breaks. <laughs> it's okay if the A show doesn't come back, in my opinion. So, anyways, in, in real life, the CZW Cage of Death things happens. Uh, Homicide comes out and helps Team Ring of Honor, but his payment is that he gets a world title shot. Uh, Danielson having won the belt, like, the summer prior, like, let's say August-ish of 2005. Danielson was supposed to be on the team. He comes out and he attacks Samoan Joes in the match. Cornette et al. and crew kind of go from, like, babyface to heel to turn on Homicide. So from that point in April up to December, like, that eight-month stretch of is Homicide's quest for the Ring of Honor title. Okay. And he finally wins the title here at Final Battle. And then, like, the next show of the first year, he loses it to Morishima. Oh, come on, man. Spoilers. I was going to get to that. I'm working my way through Ring of Honor starting at the All beginning. Right. <laughs> but I vividly remember that being a big thing. Um, Hamas, and again, Brian Danielson has good matches at everybody. But this was one of those matches where, like, the story of everything and the build to it, you know, added so much to, like, the specialness of that match, you know? Yeah, I, I think I tuned in to Ring of Honor after this when they first, when the, the Ric Flair stuff started showing up. That was my first Ring of Honor, so I missed all the good stuff. And it's, you know, it's all out there. Go sign up for Honor Club or, you know, ask and we'll talk. (laughs) Um, But then five years later, also from the Manhattan Center in 2011, Ring of Honor has a final battle with uh, maybe the most cursed opening match in wrestling history as Michael Elgin takes on TJ Perkins. Ugh, refereed by Brian Pillman Jr. (laughs) (laughs) One, yeah. Um, Tommaso Ciampa versus Jimmy Rave. Jay Lethal versus El Generico versus Mike Bennett. Uh, Kevin Steen versus Steve Carino. No disqualification with Jimmy Jacobs as the special guest referee. And if Steen wins, he gets to come back into Ring of Honor. Okay, why was he out of Ring of Honor? Because Jim Cornette was in charge of Ring of Honor at the time and didn't like Steen. And was trying to book Steen as a heel. And also wanted Steen to leave and lose some weight. And Steen was getting over as a baby face. Like, Kevin Steen's one of those guys. And it's like, this was the era. Like, 10 years ago, this run in Ring of Honor was like, Steen kind of perfected the character that he does now as Kevin Owens on TV. That even when he's supposed to be a heel, he's too likable to really be booed. Yeah. And this was Jim Cornette just kind of grinding everything that he can to just 
stop the momentum of the fans getting behind Kevin Steen. And it was at this point now, finally at the, in the end of the year where, uh, uh, Cornette was just like, finally, like, fuck it. I give up. Like, I, I'm fighting the fans. They want to cheer this guy. No matter how much I hate him or I don't like the character or whatever it is, the fans are into him. Here we go, you know? Yeah, that's odd because normally Cornette has his finger on the pulse of, like, modern wrestling fans. Of course. Yeah. Uh, tag gauntlet match with the Bucks. Uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Caprice Coleman, Cedric Alexander, the Bravados, and uh, Kenny King and Rhett Titus. Roderick Strong versus Chris Hero. The Briscoes versus Haas and Benjamin. And then uh, Davey Richards versus Eddie Edwards for the Ring of Honor title. Okay. Uh, I know most of those names. Yeah, and again, it's interesting just to see a lot of those names. Like, here they are. Like, whether it be uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, kind of like where their progression has gone in the world of professional wrestling, you know? Yeah. All right. And uh, also on this day in 1962, uh, DJ, one of DJ of We Need Wrestling's favorite wrestlers and current day Ed Cody's favorite wrestler, the great Muda, was born. Well, I, I like to think of him as ju- the just okay Muda. And, <laughs> and I am surprised by how young he is. Like, just for me, like, having seen Muda in like early nineties WCW when I was a baby, like I am shocked that if your notes are correct, that he's only 59. That's what, and again, if my gazintas are correct, uh, 2021 minus 1962 would mean he's 59 years old. Uh, Um, 60. Yeah. Yes. Your math checks out. (laughs) So, uh, I, okay. So I want to give this to you two, uh, two, you talk about how old people are. You assume Muda would have been older, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is thanks to Bix, a friend of the show, uh, sometimes listener of the show. Oh. Uh, he tweeted these out. Maybe you saw them. Maybe you didn't. Sting currently is 62 years old, right? Mm-hmm. When Gorilla Monsoon died, was Gorilla Monsoon older or younger than Sting is today? Uh, because I'm super smart and I definitely didn't see this tweet that Bix tweeted out. Uh, Monsoon was younger. Okay. Did you see the other one of who was older or younger as well or no? I just saw the Monsoon one. Okay. Uh, so when in 1996, when uh, Shawn Michaels had in his corner Super Sock Jose Lothario, <laughs> at that time <clears throat> when Jose Lothario was on TV as Shawn Michaels' corner man, was he older or younger than Sting today? Uh, I think just to perpetuate the story here, I'd have to say Lothario was younger. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that that Sting is like, and obviously the face paint totally helps. Yeah. And the fact that he only wrestles occasionally. But I tell you, man, when Sting wrestles, he like he don't half-ass it, you know? No, hell no. So Sting is awesome. And if you don't like Sting... In 2021, going into 2022, that's on you, man. Sting's awesome. I'm going to continue to have the bit that I don't like Sting. Oh, okay. But, uh, I'm winking into the microphone. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's all we got for this day in wrestling history. Uh, as mentioned before, no likes, no dislikes. Uh, I have a feeling the non-screen phone calls might help that. But let's get into... <laughs> 
an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. That's right. Adam's homework that he assigned from last week. And uh, if you don't hate yourself and you just want to follow along, you can head over <laughs> to our friend Kevin's website, Mass Library. And I'm going to have to be a little bit more specific here a little bit later on. Um, as Adam assigned the 2015 World Wrestling Entertainment Studios film, Santa's Little Helper, starring Mike the Miz Mizanin and uh, Paige in a lesser role. Uh, yeah. What? So, you didn't love this? Okay. I mean, we'll get to that eventually, but you sound like you you had a negative uh, portrayal of this movie. So this, so this movie felt every nanosecond of its 90-minute runtime. Oh. Uh, it felt like it took forever to watch. And this movie does the cardinal sin of... You know, if you're going to do a movie, you should, or a wrestling match, or a song, or something, you should be one end of the spectrum or the other. Extremely good or extremely bad. This movie was extremely nothing. (laughs) It was just there. It existed. It took up time. People got paychecks for it. Uh, The good nation of Canada received a paycheck to pose as Santa Monica, California uh, in this film. But I'll say this. There was definitely effort put into this movie. I'm not going to say a lot of effort or positive effort, but there was definitely effort that was made, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So the bare bones of this uh, film is, and again, No, no, I... I want what? a beat by beats recap of this. <laughs> well, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read Kevin's website then for your beat for beat recap of this, right? All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even gonna say anything about that. This will be for like two people. Uh, so the Miz is like some sort of nebulous like real estate man who's a jerk. And he is gonna cl- and he is here to foreclose on the Hope Springs Community Center, mm-hmm. which he has some sort of connection to because he has his initials carved into a bench outside. Uh, like I said, he's a jerk to everyone. He's got a fancy car. Uh, he parks in a handicapped spot in a gimmick that they ripped right off from the movie Twins when Danny DeVito has like all the placards in his car that he puts up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes back, uh, to his office space, his office where all the other real estate mogul type people are, and he's a jerk to the security man. Uh, he goes into his head boss's office and his boss is like, Hey, great job in closing out the community center. Too bad you're fired. Uh, because Henderson can do his job and your job plus people like him. So you're fired. And I don't know, like I don't think the people who made this job, like made this movie, know how jobs work, or how like severance packages or anything else like that work. Because once the Miz is fired, not only does he create property damage, decide to chase his boss around, and then accidentally throw his Super Bowl foot, his signed Super Bowl football. I guess it's signed by the Super Bowl. I'm not really sure. <laughs> 
in the face of the security guard. And I'll mention this here, and I'll mention a little bit later on with the biker bar scene. Mm. This director has two shot, has a shot that he loves, and that's like that bird's eye view of a ball going through the air before it hits someone in the face because he does it twice in this movie. Once here with the su- the signed Super Bowl football, and again later on with the uh, eight ball, right? Yeah. And, and just to, so- shot. to like piggyback on what you're saying, like the way that they portray the Miz in the first like 10 minutes, he's like an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10 of unlikability. And then it, there isn't this gradual softening I feel like it goes from immediately from an 11 down to like a four, like as soon as he meets uh, Billy, you know, well, we get to in a second, so, but like, so if we, if we want to go by that scale, we'll go by that scale because the Miz starts at 11. And again, we're heightening this so that we can move the story along to get Miz to that next point. Um, but it's, it's, so we'll say he's an 11 currently. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, whatchamacallit, so he loses his car, he mentions that he's in love with his car, the girl friend leaves him, and he insults her by calling her stupid, and, uh, he says that he's a lone wolf, and she says that he has no friends, there's, there's a big difference between having no friends and being a lone wolf, um, and Miz has this house that he bought, that he can't afford and he's been living outside of his means for a very long time, but it seems as though he's like very successful at his job, just a jerk. So there's no like, there's no like thing that like says that he is living outside of his means. He seems for someone who's in this station in his life of being this type of person, he's living exactly as he's supposed to be living. If that makes any sense. I get that. Like they, they should have had something like, oh, he's got a gambling problem, or you know, he made a bad investment. There you go, or something. Yeah, Yeah. because if he's fired and they give him two weeks and they give him a severance, then he should still have some money coming in, right? Yeah, it it was like your house is being foreclosed on tomorrow. You got fired out of Friday. Your house is foreclosed on Monday. You know, right? And this movie just kind of moves things along because they only have ninety minutes. But it's it doesn't give any real time for anything to sink in, any of the stakes or any of the consequences or any of the anything, right? Yeah, they're probably saving it for the sequel, hopefully. Oh, yes. <laughs> so this is to establish that the Miz is the jerk, the Miz lost his job, and the Miz is now desperate, okay? Yep. So then we go to, at first I just thought it was like, oh, it's a random ski lodge, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's normal-sized people working at a ski lodge. Uh, it wasn't like until many minutes into this that I realized that like, oh, this ski lodge is supposed to be Santa's workshop and these are all supposed to be elves. Yes, elves with knit caps to hide elves their with- ears because they don't have the ear budget for most of them. They only have the ear budget for Paige in some scenes, not all scenes. <laughs> and the ears don't match your skin tone. No. <laughs> They're like Spock ears from uh, a Halloween shop. <laughs> But and it's at this point that we're introduced to, I would say, the star of the movie and absolutely 100% the face. The face? Of the movie, Billy, played by Anna Lynn McCord. Yes, and be careful when you're reading that name. You might, <laughs> I mistaked it a couple times. Okay. 
maybe a couple extra N's and a couple less A's or something, or vice yes. versa. <laughs> so like even that. though she is a drop-dead gorgeous specimen, in the elf and Santa world, she is a freak because <laughs> she has round ears. Yeah, like she's just got a complex. Like she's so like has such low self-esteem from just the elves just belittling her as being like a troll. And uh, I, if you want to hear more details about Anna Lynn McCord, uh, just go read Kevin's write up and uh, definitely not our DMs between each other because those don't exist. Right. <laughs> and then like and obviously look at, you know, look at her. Look at Billy. She's she's hideous. She's grotesque. Not like Twixel or Fitzy or any of the other elves that are all supermodels in the elf world because <laughs> they have pointy ears. Right. Yeah, exactly. So already like. This joke only works if all of the other elves are hideous, grotesque monsters, but because they have pointy ears in the world of elves, they're attractive. And her being a drop-dead gorgeous person in the world of elves, not having pointy ears, makes her the repulsive one. Yeah, our, I would even buy if... I'm not saying they all had to be little people, as in, like, you know, you know shoot little people, but just, you know... Sh- film them in such a way that they're all like five foot and below. And she's this six foot tall goddess, you know, but, but even further still hire ugly people, ugly people <laughs> need work in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> My phone ain't ringing. <laughs> so, and I will give the film this. Okay. They attempt to build in like their own Santa mythos for this. Right. Yeah. That Twixel, uh, is resigning from his position as like second in command. And I forgot what the hell it stands for, but it's the ho, 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 right? That's yeah, a cute it's... joke. And then every every ho, ho, ho needs to have five of the sugar plum virtues. And I'm not going to repeat the five sugar plum virtues because who cares? But the movie tries, okay? Yeah. It tries to establish its own like world and universe and things. So I give them credit from just not doing like what other things have done or just like the uh, what's the verbiage I'm looking for? Just kind of like the boilerplate, like, oh, this is Christmassy stuff, right? Yeah. Paint by numbers, you know? Right, right. right. So it turns out that Paige is Twixel's daughter and she feels that she should be the one to get the ho, ho, ho job. But Santa sends Billy to the normie world because Santa thinks that the Miz has those qualities, even though it's a jerk, Santa puts Billy on this mission to put the Miz through the five tests of the sugar plum virtues to see if the Miz is capable of doing so. Yeah, and it's like The Miz never established, like if The Miz was a super successful businessman, who like is is also an asshole then you can say okay you know deep down like he he might have like a heart of gold somewhere in there but like he's got the business acumen to run the north pole but no he had no money he's living paycheck to paycheck and the job that he was doing he got fired from and he wasn't good enough to be retained he was replaced by some other dude so it's not like he was this high-level corporate CEO that can then transition over to the North Pole. He was a guy who wasn't good enough to keep his job and wasn't good at that job, you know? 
and wasn't a good person anyway. Yeah, so there was, like, literally nothing, like, that is established that would make him be, you know, like, he's talking about throughout the movie, like, oh, is it Jeff Bezos that's, you know, interviewing me? Is it, uh, is you it know, Trump? You know, is it Trump? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, is it all these other CEOs as if like Rupert Murdoch or whatever, as if like he would be headhunted by these top of the line world famous CEOs. But like you're a real estate guy, you're and not even a successful one, you know, so it's very weird that 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 plot points there. So and, and I'll give them this at the very least this early in the movie, we know this. But later we get a bit that Santa reveals of like what the Miz's life could have been. And we'll get there when we get there. So Billy shows up at the Miz's house. Now, I this is one of those things about this movie. Now, you and I watch professional wrestling, have, have watched professional wrestling, some of us longer than others, you know, maybe you only since 1990. This is true, when it was invented. So one of the things that we, as a wrestling community, have learned in more recent years is that Billy Gunn is a giant. Right? Yeah. But we never knew that Billy Gunn was a giant because the entirety of the time that he was on TV, he just looked like an average-sized dude, not realizing that he's standing next to other giants or even bigger people than him. Sure. On World Wrestling Entertainment TV, The Miz looks to be a normal-sized guy, if maybe not a little bit smaller. But in this movie, he's essentially like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> he's giant he's like twice as thick as any other person in this film and the camera and the director love shooting the Miz without his shirt on now when Billy comes to the house there's a very interesting shot that I'm also gonna this is the director's other signature shot because he does it again later on in the climax of the film the Miz is laying down uh, on his couch Wearing his robe, and his robe is open, okay? Yeah. So we can get to really emphasize how good The Miz looks. And it's shot from, like, a distance, okay? And there's a pillar in the way, in the foreground of the shot. And the placement of the pillar is, like, right along the side of Miz's, like, crotch area. <laughs> so even though The Miz is wearing underwear, this particular shot, like, draws a line down that, that if you look real close... You could think that the Miz might be naked, right? You're, you gave that a lot of thought. All right. Well, okay. It's only because later on in the climax of the film, when the Miz uses Christmas magic to get the guy who runs the the the, the community center to show up and like takes him from wherever he was on vacation, and he's wearing like the little blue speedos. When he pops into the scene, the placement of the yellow police tape cover up the guy's crotchal area so that when he pops into the scene, if you're looking real quick, you're like, is that guy not wearing any pants? <laughs> and then they cut to the scene. It's like, okay, he has a little bikini brief on. But it's that the, that shot happens twice where there's like the police tape or the pillar that's in the way that it makes it look like a shirtless character is naked. This is this director's version of Tarantino's uh, view from the trunk. Right, or his foot <laughs> fetish or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> so Billy shows up, gives uh, the Miz the pitch. We mentioned before the Miz is like, oh, is it Mark Cuban? Is it Trump? Is it this person? He goes, is it someone that's recognizable just by one name? And she's like, yeah. You know, and obviously she doesn't want to give it up because she can't just come right out and say it's you're working for Santa. Okay. 
Uh, so the first task. Oh, and the other thing is, so she, because Miz loved his car. And that's another thing. We could have got a lot more miles to set up that the Miz loves his car. Mm-hmm. Like you could have did a thing where like a little bit more loving stuff with the car in the beginning. The car gets gets repossessed. And like maybe he goes through the repo lot to look at it. And be like one day I'll get you back, baby. Or something like that, you know, to show kind of like they could have done a little bit more with that. If you establish a line where he's like, I love that car. Yeah, or even just, you know, shot, like, after he leaves the uh, the, the children's center, you know, he just, he's he t- he's taken aback, you know, he's soaking in his look of his car, just maybe right. buffing it with his, his shirt sleeve or something like that, like right. I do with my car. So Billy has, like, a little tiny smart car, you know, yeah. and we do get lots of scenes of them driving to and from places, because we really need to pad out this 90-minute runtime of the film. Yeah. Uh, they They end up going to a biker bar. Uh, and Bill, Billy gives the Miz the task of going into the biker bar, telling them that he scratched one of their bikes, resolve the situation, get them all to come outside to see that he didn't scratch their bikes, and while and do it while wearing a silly hat. Perfectly reasonable. Uh, needlessly elaborate. Uh, we do get a cameo <laughs> from Maurice in this. I'm glad that Miz... Uh, you know, did his work to get his wife in the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> um, and I will I'll also say this, like, yes, all these bikers look like bikers, but this would have been like a perfect opportunity. Oh. There's that word to get some wrestlers in there as cameos as the bikers. So you could do a little bit more of a wrestling choreography style fight scene. Yeah, like, I'm absolutely shocked that the big show wasn't in that scene. Or someone, you know, yeah. like, you could have got, like, a developmental guy that looked the part that was a big beard. Or this was, like, a Braun Strowman-type early appearance that, like, when he was still at the PC, they threw him in here. It's like, oh, he's big or whatever it is, right? You know? Yeah, like a uh, like a Seamus, you know, just somebody that, you know, they could say, oh, these are our movie star wrestlers, yeah. you know? So it goes poorly. Billy uses her Santa magic to get the Miz out of there. And then they're just back at the Miz's house, and he's like, oh, how did we do this, right? How did this happen? Um, and I also mentioned in passing um, Fitzy, who's supposed to be, like, I guess the comic relief for this movie. And never has there been a less funny comic relief in a movie where <laughs> he just says nonsensical bad things and then just says, oh, I'm just kidding around. And that's his <laughs> joke. Now, I'll say this. Uh, I know what kind of look they were going for, and they should have got Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia to play that role. I think Charlie could have added a little bit of manic energy to that role that could have made some of those jokes work. Yeah, I could see that. When, yeah. when I was watching that, I was like, he's basically Idris Elba in Thor, because his only job is to work the portal that goes right. between the poles. But yeah, he was like... Yeah, a lot of times he was almost like talking to the camera, like Zach Morris style, like yeah. you know, breaking the third wall. But it was never funny, except his weird. And so, uh, except his weird fetish of wearing other people's clothing, where like when Santa is sleeping, he puts on Santa's clothes and sits in his chair. Or when he comes to the normie world, he puts on the Miz's clothes and recreates the scene from Risky Business. Yeah. Uh, I only wish there was a third payoff scene where he gets caught, like, wearing, like, Paige's clothes or something. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just sidetracked by that thought. Uh, and then he shaves like his beard and then it's it's back the like the next scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I hope the continuity editor, editor was fired over that one. Right. <laughs> yes. Um. So then the next gimmick is that it's like a birthday party at like not Chuck E. Cheese. And the Miz has to dress up as Maynard the monkey. And it's just like a bear looking costume with the Miz's face exposed, which mm-hmm. I think is probably like the shittiest mascot outfit in all of history. But <laughs> it's like, well, you know, we're paying for Iron Man. We were paying for Tony's or uh, Robert Downey Jr. So we have to figure out a way to show Tony Stark Iron Man's face all the time. We're paying for the Miz. We can't have his head behind like a giant washing machine foam <laughs> thing of Maynard the monkey. His face needs to be exposed. Yeah, I can't hide the moneymaker. Right. Uh, Miz, definitely not the face of this film. Not at all. (laughs) So it's a whole bit where, like, all the kids have all these ridiculous demands. Miz is doing his best to keep track of them. And I have a child. I've had birthday parties at actual Chuck E. Cheese. The costume character isn't the one who's doing the ordering and putting the food orders in and doing all that sort of things. But I understand... You have to do a heightened reality for this movie. Uh, It gets to a point where it's time for the kid's birthday cake. uh, And the Miz finally fed up with things, pushes the kid's face into the cake. And we get a very prolonged multiple reaction shot of people being shocked that the Miz would do this. The kid himself being a terrible actor that even with a face covered in cake, you could see him laughing and smiling underneath it all. So Miz, with his quick goat thinking, says, birthday food fight. And then not only is there just barrels and barrels of food, but everyone's now equipped with silly string as well. And it's at this point where we start to see the Miz start to soften a little bit. He's kind of been like that 11 jerk. But like for really no reason, he just decides, I need to lean into this. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where he starts to become less and less of a jerk as the movie goes on. I, like you can, you can say like, is he trying? Like I don't want to try to dissect the motives of the character because it's not that deep. But like you said, you wanted a beat by beat thing of the movie, and that's what no, we got no, no, now. no. I'm just saying, like as I'm trying, you got me thinking of his motivations, and I was like, I don't really think that that's meant to be. Like we're not supposed to watch this movie and think about like where his head's at like is he just trying to put on an act at this point for billy you know or is he like legitimately becoming a better person by this point who knows that's up for the it's up for the viewer to interpret after subsequent multiple viewings you know (laughs) right now did i miss the part where he does uh the bit at the old folks home no that's that's uh i believe the very next one because it goes that and then there's the mugging Okay, so he goes to the old folks home, and I don't know if you noticed, the old folks are watching Total Divas. Oh, yeah. Product placement. Um, And we get another opportunity for the Miz to take his shirt off. (laughs) And, again, the Miz is starting to soften a little bit. Uh, We get the bit where the old man... Now, again, I didn't watch the credits of this movie because as soon as this movie was over, I turned it off. I think the old man that got mugged in the alleyway was Santa out of the Santa makeup and gear. I believe so, because the later on, Santa does the thing where he's like, oh, that was me. And right. I, he just kind of removes the mask and the beard and then magically puts it back on. It's the same actor. Right. And I 
so I know that they were supposed to be like kids and street toughs and punks or whatever it is, but the four of them, especially the lead one that has any lines, look to be about a foot and a half shorter and 90 pounds smaller than The Miz. Yeah. Keep it that was, in mind. It the was a, Miz. It was a street gang full of Ed Cody's is what it was. Oh, poor Ed. <laughs> Come on. He'll take that from Colt Cabana, but to take that from you. <laughs> so uh, it's at this point where uh, they go back to the house. Billy summons Santa to the house. We mentioned before, we're kind of all over the place with this. Um, But it's at this point, it's like, okay, well, Santa's actually here, and it's the same Santa that's interacted with the Miz before when the Miz was at the the Hope Springs um, uh, community center thing, right? Yeah. Um, So Miz's like, all right, whatever. I'll come to the North Pole. I'll see what this is all about, right? Yeah. And this is where Santa reveals to the Miz that uh, in a sliding doors-esque scenario, the Miz, as a teenager, is framed for stealing the money for the play that the uh, community center was going to put on, right? Yeah, and, and you know what? I was reading Kevin's article, and obviously I saw the end of this movie, and it is imp- it was implied or it was outright said at the beginning of the movie that they couldn't pay their bills because they were robbed again. And I was like, did I miss that? Was I not paying attention? Like, are they consistently being robbed by that guy? Because I know in the flashback, the, uh, the adult basically says to like child Miz, you know, I stole it and there's nothing you could do to prove it. But I didn't realize that he was consistently stealing from him. I'm like, was that thrown in at the end and lazily or did I just miss it? Yeah. So when, when Miz, Christmas Magic's the guy there. He says, oh, he's been skimming off the profits of the community center for years. You know, those super lucrative community centers for wayward (laughs) teens. Yeah, he's like retired to a private island now off of all that money from Christmas, like, pageants. (laughs) So if that, so because of this, the Miz has to leave the community center. And that is when he closed himself off to the rest of the world. If the Miz did not close himself off to the rest of the world, okay, he would have become a famous astronaut, something never mentioned at any point. Like, you could have established at some point, like, the Miz now has, like, some sort of, like, piece of memorabilia. Like, I know his little carving on the the bench has, like, a rocket or, like, a starship or some shit around it, right? But you could have done something that an out-of-nowhere reveal that the Miz's dream was always to be an astronaut, right? Yeah, have the a vanity license plate on his car say something like Moon Man or something, you know? Or something, right? Or, like, when he, uh, like, the girl is leaving the house. Like, uh, the girlfriend is like, oh, I'm leaving you. And she's taking some sort of, like, oh, you could keep this piece of junk. And it's, like, some sort of space thing. And he's like, this ain't a piece of junk. And he's like, wait a minute, my car, right? You Simple things. I've never gone to film school or script writing, but I've seen dozens of movies. And, like, there's little things that they could have put in here that would have taken a fraction of a second, like, seconds of screen time that they could have established this stuff earlier in the film so that you could have them pay off here later on. So, yeah. I was going to say, if you're going to have an owl swoop in and pick up a moving van, our hero better meet that owl in the tree a few minutes earlier. Right, right. (laughs) We've established the owl, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
so not only would Miz have become a famous astronaut, he also would have had his own food line called Dax Flax. Yep, just rolls off the tongue. He also would have had a a beautiful wife and two kids. And listen, it was a soft focus, you know, underneath shot. But I don't know that that wife wasn't Billy. I'll just say that. No, she, she wasn't even really his ex-girlfriend that left him. But <laughs> right. And he not only would have also created the cure for the common cold, you know, as astronauts do. He took advantage of like zero gravity somehow, they said. <laughs> <laughs> and he also would have gotten an opportunity to be a shirtless oh. model of the clothing store. Third time we get the Miz in the sh- in the movie shirtless. Yeah, it's like here's all the things you could have been: world famous, world famous, world famous minimum wage job. <laughs> you know. And I am shocked that they did not do a thing where they said, "And you would have became a sports entertainer," and then just inputted like some stock footage of the Miz wrestling. You know, and just said, oh, that's Dax in the ring. You know, have Michael Cole doing a voiceover. Oh, Dax, you know, vintage Dax. You know, it would have been so easy. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird that, like, these WWE films cast wrestlers and then do nothing. Like, they tease you with the wrestling stuff, but they never do, like, a full-fledged wrestling thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, it's too late for Dax to have any of that, but obviously this is the path to him writing himself and getting a better life and everything from there. And before he's sworn in as the ho-ho-ho, Paige shows up and says that in the bylaws of whatever it is, um, that there could be a challenge, and it goes through Santa's boot camp, which is just like a generical obstacle course that they maybe had like free access to for the afternoon. <laughs> um, so like you get the two of them kind of fighting dirty through the whole thing. Um, Miz loses. So now Paige is going to be the ho, ho, ho. Uh, Miz goes back to his house. But before he goes, he steals uh, the magic bell that Billy has that Santa gave her so that in the normie world, she can access Christmas magic. So they, Santa, Billy, and everyone else assume, well, Dax stole the bell. He's going to go back to his old evil ways. And they do a bit where he makes a car appear. And then he has problems driving the car because it's stick shift. (laughs) Now, he didn't, like, wave into existence an automatic. Right. He could have waved the car into existence and said, oh, it's stick, waved it again and made it a manual transmission or waved the bell and brought back the car from the beginning of the movie that he loved. (laughs) Well, this was an upgrade. Baby, I got you back. Did you miss me? Oh, you know, so on and so forth. Let's go take care of whatever it is. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll never take you for granted again and just, yeah. like, hug the steering wheel. <laughs> oh, God damn it. You know, let me let me do another pass at the script on this. Let me call Vince <laughs> right now, right? Yeah. We can get the, when they reboot this, you know, we yes. can get our hands on it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dax goes to the community center. Uh, the guy from the real estate thing there is there with, like, a backhoe instead of a bulldozer. Again, I guess that's all they can get for the day. Um, like, like this could knock down a building, right? Sure. Okay. Um, uses the Christmas magic to make the guy from the earlier scene who accused the Miz or framed teen Miz of stealing the money from the Christmas pageant. 
has him show up with the police tape thing, you know, so it looks like he's naked. And the Miz just says, oh, he's been embezzling funds uh, for years. It's in an offshore account. Take him away, boys. And the cops just do. The guy doesn't protest. (laughs) Good enough for me. It's like, oh, they used magic to do it. Good enough for me, right? (laughs) We're Uh, not going to question how this guy teleported into, like, right in front of us. Right. (laughs) No oohs or ahs, you know? So Santa and Billy show up, and they see that Miz used the Christmas magic for good. And now we get, and this was kind of interesting. I kind of didn't see this coming that this whole thing was set up not to test Miz if he had the five sugar plum virtues to be the new Santa ho, 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 but it was for Billy to see if she could do it. And she did. And she gets to be the new ho, 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 her and Miz kiss, roll credits. It was a swerve, bro. <laughs> I did like that bit. That was that was fun. You know, a cute little misdirect there with how all things go. Uh but this is no better or worse than your average Hallmark movie, which I don't watch because, you know, those movies are not made for me. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that WWE, and again, obviously WWE does stuff for like all ages and family films and stuff like that. And like, this was like a toothless nothing of a movie. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. You know, we're talking like, it, it was a competent film for the most part. You know, I had problems with the script. Um, some of the shots were creative, but then like other shots where they just like blatantly didn't care that they show you that they tried to double Canada for California. And there's a couple shots of crowds where the number and placement of people in the crowd change wildly as they cut back and forth from the camera. Mm. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of continuity issues with this film. Um, but like... If you're sitting around with your family and they, you know, need like 90 minutes of mindless entertainment, you could do a lot worse. Yeah. I I, like the first half hour of this movie took me about two hours to get through. Like I would (laughs) I would start it for like two minutes and then like. I'd be like, oh, somebody texted me. I'm going to respond to them. Let me pause this. I'll come back to it. Oh, I'm going to go rip a heater. And then it's like, oh, I forgot to finish listening to this podcast. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you know, like I kept allowing myself to get distracted. Uh, then there was like a workout scene at the North Pole that like I was like, oh, okay, what, what's going on here? And then I kind of focused on it and I didn't hate it. You know, uh, there's obviously we talked about a lot of things that are inconsistent about it. And it's, if you know what you're you're getting when you watch it like you said if you are watching a mindless christmas movie with your kids this is no worse than 90 percent of the christmas movies that are out there um i do wish it ended uh like you know how every comedy movie has like oh here's what happened after the movie and it kind of shows you know like a year later type stuff i think they missed a golden opportunity of having like Paige getting dax's old job because she's like perfect for it and then, like, what happens with Dax and Billy? You know, if, if Billy's the CEO of this company, does Dax, or, like, CEO of Christmas, does, like, Dax go there? Do they have little half-elf babies? Half-normie, half-elf? You know, like, there's a lot of, like, meat oh. on the bone for, like, things in the future. They have a baby who has one pointy ear and one normal ear. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, like, I... 
expected to hate it. I thought it was a it was a fun movie. Like I got no like I as far as show homework goes, I would watch this 50 times before I'd watch Free the Narrative. <laughs> right. So if we're using that as our scale, was Santa's little helper better or worse than Free the Narrative? Better. But that's yeah. as low as a bar as it gets. Yeah. And if you go on IMDb and look up Anna Lynn McCord, uh, there is a photo of her wearing the uh, the Slave Leia outfit. So, oh, uh, I uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say Slave Leia anymore. So Summers edit that out. But uh, uh, yeah, I highly recommend you look for that. <laughs> I found that in my research for the homework, Joe. Well, I look, and again, I'm just gonna say I looked. I may have looked up her Instagram, her social media, and so on and so forth. And she's currently a activist, if you will. Uh, she's very much in like um, different, uh, you know, positive communities and so forth. And I guess you get to be when you don't have work on the reg, but good for her. Oh, uh, she was using... on the 90210 reboot. Uh huh. <laughs> good for her. Hey, were you on the 90210 reboot? No. Neither was I. So she's, you know, just don't insult her, man. <laughs> I think this could be special. <laughs> uh, so my homework for next week, um, since there is no pay-per-views or anything else like that, and it is Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to throw this out with a caveat, okay? Uh, so what we're going to watch is the next in the line of the 2012 Chikar events that I've been assigning, and it's the November 18th, 2012 uh, event from New York City, the Cybernetic Arises. Um, and I'll say this. Next week, I'll be talking about the Shard versus Fire Ant, and I'll be talking about Icarus versus Dasher Hatfield, and I'll be talking about the main event. You do what you want to do with the other two matches. Is uh, So you just mentioned three matches, said there was another two. Is it a total of five matches on the entire show? It is. Okay. The Cyberneticos tend to run long. Gotcha. Because um, it is a eight-on-eight eight elimination match. And, you know, as we had discussed before, it's Team Ring of Honor, quote-unquote, Kevin Steen, Jimmy Jacobs, the Bravados, the Briscoes, and the Young Bucks against Eddie Kingston, Gran Akuma, 3.0, Hollow Wicked, Frightmare, Mantis, and Tim Donst. So the Mr. Touchdown versus Soldier Ant, does that not further the storyline of Mysterious and Handsome Stranger? You're okay without it. All right. And, uh, yeah, I don't really have any interest in watching uh, 2012 Marty Jannetty. So, all right. Easy enough. And the link for this will be in the show notes, of course. So you can go ahead and grab that if you'd like. So uh, now, Adam, uh, it's time for a voicemail. And we got a ton. Are you ready? I'm ready for people to air their grievances. That's right. We had sent this out and we said, air your grievances. Talk about whatever you want. Um, I don't screen any of the calls beforehand, so if you say anything racist, homophobic, sexist, transphobic, or otherwise, I'm absolving uh, all rights from this. I probably won't edit it out of the show, but I will publicly slander you for being such a person to do that to us. Uh, so, Adam, if you're ready, first call. Let's go. Hey, Adams, this is Silverthorn. I'm going to keep this brief because, let's be honest, watching this steaming pile of Soraya was painful enough. I went into this movie like I do all of Adam's assignments, cautiously with an underpinning of resentment. But, tears of wrestling, for fuck's sake. How bad could it be? Bad. It could be bad. 
There were, however, two moments in this entire 90-minute straight-to-DVD barfest that I enjoyed. The first, the Knicks name, Daxiax. Having been subjected to JR's quaalude-induced blatherings enough, barbecue sauce, I've uh, caught him misnaming many of my favorite AEW wrestlers. Most famously, of course, Jungle Jack, but also on occasion, Dax Harwood as Dax the Axe. Who knew Santa could provide the intercompany crossover nobody asked for? The second and truly most outstanding tidbit was our, the Royal Hour, National Treasure Maurice. Only present for a moment, but just like my first time watching WWE as a mid-20-something, she lit up my heart. Sorry, one sec. What's that? Come get a snack, honey bun. Shit, sorry. Uh, that was Adam's mom. Just, I'm stopping by for some cake. Bye. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Daniel Silverthorne, longtime uh, listener to the shows here, Longbox Heroes, and so forth. Uh, I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't mention the Dax the Axe thing, but do you think JR calls uh, Bald uh, Revival that as a tribute to this movie? Uh, who, you know what? I bet you JR is like a huge fan. Like he's got movie posters and like screen used memorabilia. Like he's the super fan. He has Billy's workout outfit, like in a, in a, in a window box in his, in his office or something. I wonder if there's any good sniffs left in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you, Daniel, for calling. Uh, Daniel apparently having relations with my mom. So. <laughs> uh, good for you, I guess. I don't know. Yes, yeah. Oh, hey, good for Hey, ha- happy that she's happy. <laughs> there you, that, right, there you go. With a silver lining. Pun yeah. intended. All right, <laughs> next call. Hello, Adam. Hello, Joe. This is Kevin Ford, and I am calling in an absolutely positive mood because I just tested negative for COVID, which means holiday travels will go on as planned, and I could not be happier about that. However, this is the Festivus episode where we're supposed to air our grievances, and I got a grievance with the show at large, and that is to say I feel like the likes and dislikes segment has run its course. Now, hear me out. I would say ever since NXT became NXT Two Point Glow for the past three months ish or so. You could kind of count on it being boo WWE for dislikes and yay AEW for likes. And I've got no problem with that opinion whatsoever. But after hearing that week after week, it's like, all right, I feel like I kind of get the point. So let me see if Adam says something about a Matt Cardona situation or even something about the face of AEW. Yes, the face. The face. Joe has a rant. And the rest you can kind of skip over. And it's become just sort of a segment that I feel like, eh, I don't know if we need this anymore. So I've thought about it, and I I don't want to just come here with a grievance, but maybe perhaps a solution. And I think this call-in segment is a perfect time for people to call in and say what they want to hear from you guys about the world of wrestling. Because I don't want to lose the Joe rants. I don't want to hear – I don't want to lose Adam talking about the face. Yes, the face of women's wrestling, even how many sniffs are in the super effy jacket purchased for Matt Cardo. So I think having listeners maybe call in and say what they want to hear about, or even you guys coming loaded with maybe one thing in wrestling from the week you want to talk about just in case it isn't covered, would be a better way 
to handle it? Because I feel like by this point, we kind of know where you both stand with wrestling picks and doesn't seem like it's going to change. And again, I got no problem with the opinions, but after you hear the same thing over and over week after week, you kind of feel like you do when you're at the movie theater and you see the sixth trailer before Spider-Man No Way Home and you think, surely that's it. Surely there <laughs> won't be a seventh trailer. And then they show you a seventh trailer. So that's my mild grievance. And I think with LVAC coming up and the new year changing, this is a perfect opportunity. Oh, there's that oh. word again. For maybe a bit of a change in the show. But otherwise, no notes. think it's fantastic. Uh, love you both. And looking forward to seeing you both on January 1st. Bye. Well, Kevin, I hope Adam's check cleared for you calling in to say that you want to get rid of the likes and dislikes segment. <laughs> yeah, I've been like slowly trying to get rid of likes for a year now in my my grand scheme to just eliminate all wrestling talk from the podcast. But that was step one. But uh, I, I, I hear what he's saying. Like, uh, I think we've even said before that. It, if you're not watching a lot of indie wrestling, which I just don't, you know, I try to watch AIW when I can, you know, I try to catch a little bit of indie stuff if like friends of ours are involved in it. But for the most part, AEW is the most accessible and watchable thing. So that tends to be all the likes and, you know, the dislikes is the stuff that's happening on the companies that we don't really watch or, you know, the Joe rant. So uh, I, I see what he's saying about like the likes and dislikes have become repetitive over the last couple of months. So I'll say this, um, let us get through the rest of the calls and then we'll talk about likes and dislikes at the end of, uh, whatever we're doing here. Right. Yeah. And I, we don't have to like, uh, Kevin, we're, we're not giving Kevin all the power to just reformat the show today. Nope. I think it's just something like, you know, as he said, if somebody, you know, in the voicemails over the next couple of weeks has something that they'd like us to, a way to re reword the show or whatever, you know, reformat it. If you have a suggestion, let us know. Right. And uh, we can go from there. You know, we don't have to commit to, you know, starting next week, we're doing this, you know? Yeah. But I think it could be a work in progress. For sure. Next call. Hey guys, Kevin here. Um, so Adam had a tweet up recently about the uh, pro wrestling T's uh, data breach and <laughs> how he, all these charges, um, that are ruining his fiscal responsibility for year 2021. And one of them was uh, that someone charged, I believe it was Brandy Lauren's OnlyFans account uh, to Adam, <laughs> which is a horrible thing. Uh, I hope he gets all of his money back for that. But last week, he also said that phone calls this week will be about airing of grievances. And I have an OnlyFans grievance, because of course I do. <laughs> So whether it's uh, Brandy Lauren has one or uh, my friend pointed out that Sonny has one now um, oh. while doing some research, getting ready for AIW this weekend. I saw Ziggy Haim has one. Uh, Scarlett Bordeaux is starting one as well. And so I've, I've done some research, but the problem is with the way OnlyFans is set up, I don't know what's on any of their pages. And that's a problem. And I think it is a is financially irresponsible on the part of the women running this. Because if I knew what I was getting, I may have signed up for some of them. You know, there's a big difference between um, if it's just, you know, random bikini photos, uh, photos in their gear, stuff like that, the, the normal stuff. Or if they're um, doing their best John Cena with a five-knuckle shuffle there. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> doesn't but if i don't know what is on your account 
then it's a guarantee that you're not getting my money because it's not worth risking it and then being disappointed with the content there. So I, my biggest complaint and my wish for 2022 is a preview page for OnlyFans, especially wrestling-related OnlyFans. Um, this has also been uh, your sleaze for the week as well. So uh, Merry Christmas, you guys. Hope everything goes well, and I will talk to you later. So uh, I, I think in the future I'm going to at least screen this Kevin's Calls. Um. Now, no, it was perfect just the way it was. I love it. It was nice knowing you, too. And that's two Kevins in a row. I'll just say we have a lot of Kevins that call in, um, too, again, by my count. Um, so I, I'll say this. Yes. I don't know no OnlyFans, right? Uh, you know? Sure, of um, course. Huh? Of course, me neither. Um, <laughs> I would say that I'm probably, you know, as if not maybe a little bit more, a little bit less horny than your average 44-year-old man. <laughs> but, you know, I can kind of turn it off and turn it on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just doesn't Permeate go everywhere. Everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know? Um, spill out into every every podcast and tweet and article and comic book review you do. <laughs> right. And, and when I do, it's, and again, not to, you know, well, again, not to expose the bit or anything, but, you know, maybe when I tweet out that there was a missed opportunity regarding the packaging of the Take Conti action figure, you know, that's kind of part of the bit of it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say this. And again, like I said, I don't know no OnlyFans. Uh, I don't know how much an OnlyFans costs, but I'll give you these two words of advice, Kevin. I can almost guarantee you to a point that if they are a person involved in professional wrestling and in their social media profile, they do not have like 21 and up, X rated, et cetera, et cetera you ain't going to see them getting railed on their OnlyFans. (laughs) And then on the flip side, I don't know how how legal in a binding contract an OnlyFans is. Um, That, you know, and again, I don't know how much an OnlyFans costs. Um, Let's say an OnlyFans costs $10 for the month, $15 for the month. What the hell's the shot to just like, Take a chance, drop that ten or fifteen dollars to help someone that you like in the first place, instead of buying a shirt or an eight by ten or whatever it is, you get it for the month, you don't like it, there's not enough skin being shown, you cancel. It seems relatively easy that there's your preview of it. And I do know, I do see it pop up every now and then on the timeline that I guess sometimes OnlyFans does a deal or the person individually does a deal that says like, oh, hey, I hit X amount of people on OnlyFans. So if you sign up today, it's 20% off or you sign up today, it's X. Or they'll say like, oh, the next five people that sign up, get it for this. I mean, allegedly, I've heard. And again, it seems like it's something easy that you could figure out how to do. And hopefully that points you in the right direction to... uh, your year of fiscal responsibility there, Kevin Ellians. Yes. And my advice for Kevin on this on the, the subject, again, I, I, I have no idea what he's speaking about with this, uh, what do you say, only only plants, only only yes. like ceiling fans, something like that. Uh, 
you can find anything you want if you Google hard enough. And that's my advice to you, sir. <laughs> Anyways, next sure. caller. Yes, next caller, next caller. Hey, Adam. Hey, Joe. It's David K, a.k.a. Old the Wiki, a.k.a. The Sneaker Dean, a.k.a. Shoesy, a.k.a. The Host of Hit My Music. And I just wanted to call and wish you guys a very happy holidays, very Merry Christmas. Uh, I think the world of both of you, even if I do uh, give Adam the business every once in a while, or even more than every once in a while, um, I really do admire you both, and I appreciate everything that you guys do with this podcast and just throughout the the web in general, the online sphere. Uh, thanks. Uh, talk to you guys later. Bye. Aw. Oh, well, thank you very much, David. That was a nice call. It's good to... Uh get one of those every now and then where we're not um, getting people involved with crimes or otherwise. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm very uh, taken aback by the complimentary words from DeWiki. I mean, I'm sure he'll bury me in the comments of this, this you know, post of this podcast. But uh, uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, the, the Jingle Meister of the soon-to-be-named network, uh, go check out his podcast, like Joe said. Next call? Yeah. Hey, Drew. Hey, Adam. It's Tom Green. Um, I just wanted to air a grievance real quick. In the pro wrestling realm, it's to all these whiny, uh, lazy people who don't respect the business enough to realize that getting hacked when you're getting your credit card information hacked after you buy a T-shirt for your favorite wrestler that's paying your dues. Back in my day, <laughs> if you really wanted to be a wrestling fan, what you would do is you would write down your social, your credit card number, birth date, um, and any identifying information for your family members or friends down on a sheet of paper, and you would mail it to the fan club of your favorite wrestler. And then, when it came back that your credit score was 520, three weeks later, you took pride in knowing <laughs> that you helped business, you helped a wrestler that you respected. That way, the next time you walked up to them at a merchandise table, you you knew that they would say hi to you, and you would say hi, and then they would ask what you wanted, and you took pride in giving them twenty more dollars. So that's my grievance for this year, and I'm disgusted with these people. How dare they? Bye, guys. <laughs> I know we've mentioned this before, and uh, uh, I think you would even intimate it about it. Um, yeah, that uh, Pro Wrestling Tees security breach. Um, how about me doing a journalism on that? I, you know what? I Like I've mentioned many times over the last couple of weeks, I, I'm not just pouring through Twitter. I, I'll look at my mentions and that kind of stuff. So I didn't see the tweet. I actually saw it when some random posted a link to it in the the major wrestling figure podcast group you know and i was like holy shit big time supposed to here <laughs> well and that's the thing i'll say this it was you know the uh, and again they we whatever lucked out that i was off super secret science job this week so i had a lot of free time on my hands and after i was done doing long box heroes on tuesday everything's edited and everything's ready to go i'm like okay 
Let me find every email address that I could find that's affiliated with any of the pro wrestling tees companies and just spam them. Ask yeah. them what the hell's going on, right? Mm. And I was sitting here because they're Chicago. I was ready to call them at 10 o'clock Eastern time, which was nine o'clock their time when they opened. And five minutes before they opened, I got that email, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I haven't seen anyone else. I saw like Sean Ross Sapp and other people saying like, yeah, I reached out to them and I haven't gotten a reply yet. I'm like, how the fuck did they not get a reply? And I got a reply. I'm like, just some jerk off, right? <laughs> so well, Sposto on. comes before staff alphabetically. So they were just going to get to him. No, it was his is S-A-P-P. Oh, I thought Stapp. My bad. No, that's uh, his brother in the band. Uh, oh. The band. <laughs> so I just, you know, I took the email, I copy and pasted it, I put the information out. I'm like, okay, well, here's some interesting things, kind of like a summary of like these seven tweets that I sent out. And then I just saw today, like on social media, they were like being dicks again. Yeah. And I'm just like, fucking A, man. Like I spent a whole day like, hey, you know, like, I don't like this company. I've had problems with them for the better part of the last, like, nine years. I think they do shitty work. I think they're shitty people. But, like, it seems like they're trying to do the right thing. And then they went and they fucking pissed away all that goodwill uh, in one stupid Instagram comment. And here it is, like, two days later. and They're still getting dunked on publicly on social media. And rightfully so. And I would certainly hope... That if it's not this, then maybe it's the next time they fuck up and cost people, you know, cost themselves allegedly tens of thousands of dollars to input this. But then also to lose the business of people who now say, I'll never do business with them again for another like fiscal quarter to come around for AEW to say it's like, okay, well, we lost a bunch of business because of you guys. But it's not like they didn't know that they were like this from the beginning. But again, I don't know how much involvement Colt has with them. I don't know how much involvement the Bucks have with them. Maybe it speaks volumes about those people. And AEW, it makes you look like a shitty company when the people who handle a good chunk of your merchandise are shitty people and put out a shitty product. Yeah. I mean, two quick things on that. Who would have thought like a year ago if I said that in the Colt Cabana versus Phil from Chicago feud, you'd be siding with Phil at this point in 2021? I, and I'm not. And I'm not. I'm not siding with Phil. No, I just mean that you're you're more uh, in his he's more in your good graces than Colt is, you know, based on what you just said. And the other thing is, since this tweet blew up, did you uh, do a follow up tweet promoting your SoundCloud? No, I did not. Oh, OK. <laughs> No, and again, I, I always do that poorly whenever I get a tweet that does numbers. Like, a lot of times I'll see somebody get, like, a tweet and it gets, like, 89 likes. And they'll be like, I got nothing to promote, but, like, go check out my friend SoundCloud, right? And mm. I'll get a tweet that gets, like, 100 retweets and, like, 300 likes. And I'm like, is that enough for me to, like, promote something? <laughs> I'm not really sure. I don't know. And I'm just yeah. like, it is what it is. Like, they'll follow me or they won't follow me, you know? Yeah. Well, what, I don't want to brag, Joe, but one time... I had a tweet that had like 14 likes, so I pinned Ooh. it to the top of my profile and I screenshotted it. Nice. It's pretty, pretty solid day in the old Vansky household, I'll tell you. Yeah, you cl you closed the Twitter app knowing that you did good that day. <laughs> I did. I I almost deleted it. I want to go out on top. That's right. <laughs> All right, we're not done. Next caller. Hello, at odds with wrestling. It is I, the strongest man in all the land. 
Arthur MacArthur. Seeing as I was kicked out of Pod Van Dam's calling, I figured this would be a better home for me. And I hear about this rather peculiar holiday on the December 23rd called <laughs> Festus. And part of it is the airing of grievances. Well, I have quite some grievances in the realm of independent professional wrestling. Quite a few. But let's stick with one today. One that involves people seeking bookings for next year. <clears throat> Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> these people will say things like, oh, I'm now accepting bookings for 2022 or whatever. And I'm just thinking to myself, now you're accepting them? <laughs> were you not before? Like, oh, sir, I'd like you to work with us. No, it's not time yet. I don't want to be that prepared. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Just say, I'm just available for bookings. I don't know. You're just creating stupid traffic for social media. Look, you look at you and your shitty promo pictures over and over again. Just so you can <laughs> wrestle for the same 10 people in Nebraska or something. I don't know. Ah, that's a mild grievance I have. But they're going to hear about it. I'm sure everyone else does today. Anyways, guys, I, I've never called into this show before. I don't know how it works. So I'm doing like I do with the, those other pod band dameters. Uh, love you guys. Love the show. Love you long time. Especially you, Adam. My favorite, uh, favorite stand-in. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank what you, Arthur. I was going to say, again, people are de defecting from Pod Van Dam to come here. Uh, I, I want to have one of those, you know, like those all elite graphics. I want to have like Arthur McArthur is now at odds, you know, like we got to. Well, I don't know. Whoever, whoever's, whoever's in charge of our graphics should get right on that. Uh, I'll, I'll put in a call. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this call breaks the kayfabe of Arthur's calls to Pod Van Dam because when he calls to Pod Van Dam, they put that funky music underneath it. And I thought Arthur put the music under his own calls. I ain't putting music under his calls. I didn't even know he called. You'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, consider it fixed. Yeah, but uh, no, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I completely agree with Arthur. Uh, and uh, as a, a fellow person who has been banned from calling the Pod Van Dam voicemail, you are always welcome to call this this show, the beacon of non-censorship that is at odds with wrestling. Uh, I mean, just listen to Kevin Hellion's call before. We ain't censoring anything. So call in, you know, air your grievances, talk about, you know, how, how good-looking we both are. We could talk Belle Delphine, whatever you want, buddy. Call in anytime. <laughs> I, and I'll, I'll just say this as well. I'm kind of with Arthur when I see the people put up there like, now accepting bookings for 2022. And they put their available dates, and their available dates are the entire year of 2022. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. you're telling – like, I see people out there, it's like, hey, a weekend open up here. Uh, like, everything else is full for the month of January, but I have, like, this one open spot. Can anyone help me out? Where everyone's like – Hey man, I got these 31 days in January. <laughs> Help me out. You know, those are the ones that yeah. really, I'm like, Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Like it's like a limited amount of seats have been opened at this completely like not sold out <laughs> venue, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you Artie. Let's move on to the next call. Hey Adam. Hey Joe. Uh, first time, long time. Hopefully my phone isn't shit. This is Dan. Uh, the, this, I guess I used to be called Human Garbage Dan on Twitter. Oh. I'm tired of having to explain that I was Human Garbage Dan. Anyway, 
Um, so he asked for grievances, and there's been a lot of talk this week on Twitter, because clearly I'm fucking obsessed with Twitter. Uh, there's been a lot of talk on there about face paint this week, mm-hmm. thanks to, I don't know, some old motherfucker. Uh, but there hasn't been nearly enough talk about the greatest GC. H, I'm sorry, GHC champion of all time and the savior of pro wrestling, Noah, which, Adam, that's a Japanese thing. You just don't need to worry about it. Uh, oh. it's, it's Kate's birthday. He's 59, of all things. People talking about Sting all the time. Uh, way better people out there. Anyway, um, so, yeah, that's my grievance this week. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, also, Chase and Rance. Just, you know, the continued existence of him. Uh, yeah, anyway, bye. Thank you for calling, Dan. I know Dan's been a longtime listener. We've talked quite a bit uh, publicly and privately about a, mi- a myriad of things. And I'll say this. I missed the Chase and Rant stuff as it was happening. Uh, some promotion in Florida, shockingly, was, like, affiliated with him. And then they were trying to deny that they ever booked him or whatever. And then people were like, Here's like the cage match profile of your last show. He wrestled it in your main event. And they just went ahead and like blocked everyone that pointed that out to them. <laughs> it's one, another one of those examples where I'm just like glad that I am not on social media that much, you know? Yeah, you know, and like I know uh, young Ed claimed that he is going to quit social media for a month. But I was actually like putting like pencil to paper the other day about like kind of easing up a little bit on social media. Um, you know, not doing as much on social media in the new year, but again, it's in pencil, so it could very easily just be erased, but it's, it's definitely a thought that's kicking around in there. Yeah. I'm just Uh, surprised you're not replacing Ed for that month. No, no. I'm a sucker for, uh, face paint though. Uh, I did think Phil looked a little silly in the face paint on, uh, Dynamite this past week. It's funny, Phil with the face paint standing next to Sting with the face paint, and Phil looked a lot older. Yes. <laughs> uh, but again, it was cool to see Sting like have like this elaborate thing that had like punks like fit, like straight edge thing on, and Darby doing the pink with like the old school Stinger. And I get what Phil was going for with the uh, Chicago colors and everything. But I don't know. He it, it didn't work for me, dog. Yeah. All right. Next call. Hey, Adam, Joe, whoever the guest may be. It's Kevin Marshall calling in for the first time ever um, to at least uh, your iteration of the Pod Van Dam voicemail segment. <laughs> uh, calling in and airing your grievances. Uh, my grievance. Uh, which I've had for several years now, is the music in AEW. Now, WWE is not much better. Uh, you know, the, the music in WWE is uh, what people like who like the smell of their own buttholes more than anything else. But AEW music uh, is, is uniquely bad and terrible in a way that uh, is killing careers, in particular, Matt Seidel, um, whose music sounds like he's taking a shit, and Wardlow. <laughs> who uh, his music is like, it's like looking into a mass grave and seeing the bodies of long dead metal genres that never quite took off. It's really quite a cacophony. And I I think it's what they're using in Guantanamo Bay, but uh, I don't have that confirmed yet. Um, So yeah, 
other than that, you know, wrestling's fine. Everyone's great. Mm. Good, normal, decent human beings all around. Thanks for hearing me out. And um, good luck in 2022, fellas. Not that you'll need it, but wanted to extend it anyway. Take care and uh, see you all the time. Goodbye. Thank you, Kevin number three. That's three Kevins we have listened to the <laughs> show at the least, right? It's the hat trick. We got right. all the Kevins. So law, I, of, law of averages, when you look at like commenting or voicemail or so on and so forth, if we have three Kevins that called in, that means we have 300 Kevins that listen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. One voicemail equals 100 listeners, you know? Yes. And I, I just want to like kind of talk about what he was said there. He, he kind of shitting on AEW's music, and I get where he's coming at. There's a lot of just generic music. I will give him a little bit of a pass, only because the company is relatively young. You can't go and buy licensed music for everybody, because, I mean, that gets pretty expensive. I understand kind of cherry-picking. You're going to do Jungle Boy. You're going to do Orange Cassidy. You're going to do uh, Phil from Chicago, whatever. And a lot of these indie guys... You know, they didn't listen to Broski. They were using music that they didn't own when they were in the indies. So you show up on national television without something else, you're going to get generic music. And I assume AEW doesn't have composers on staff, you know, or at least anybody capable of doing the entire roster. So I don't give it time. I think that it's been getting better over over the last year or so, but I get it. You know, Seidel's music's terrible. Wardlow's music's terrible, but these are guys that don't get televised entrances, you know? So I think where the problem comes, so they do have a guy on staff that does a lot of music. This guy, Mikey Ruckus does a lot of the musics. Okay. Um, And I will say this: a lot of uh, AEW music is um, it's no one has middle in music. Everybody's music is perfect or is terrible. Right. And I definitely think your guys like a Matt Seidel or a Wardlow do need new music if they are going to be positioned in a higher spot on the card where they're going to have that entrance every week. But there are guys like Danielson's remix that was done like in an afternoon. Adam Cole's music is good, even though it's not for me. Like it gets stuck in my head. Um, on the other hand, like MJF's music is terrible. See, I don't I don't dislike MJF. So oh, I, I hate catchy. MJF's music so much. It's just because um, you hate MJF. Nah, I mean, I think MJF could be doing a lot better. He's he's <laughs> lazy. Um, but like FTR just got like their new Midnight Express knockoff music, right? Um, uh, see, I, I've never not fast forwarded through FTR, so I have uh, no idea what kind of music they have. Yeah, you know, well, I think I said, do you remember the Midnight Express from the '80s, Adam? Uh, none of those words make sense in that uh, order. <laughs> so their music is just a rip off of that. Uh, Darby's music again, not my type of music, but you know, it's made by a friend of ours, so yeah, uh, you know, it works. Um, yeah. but I'm I, I get you, but like, I remember for the longest time I hated Eddie Kingston's music. Um, but now when I hear the opening strains of his music, I'm like, all right, it's Kingston, you know, it kind of grew on me, yeah. I mean, like, there is a lot of good theme music, yes, there's some bad stuff, I don't know, it just doesn't trigger me like it does Kevin Marshall. But thank you very much for calling, Kevin. I know you teased that you were going to call in last week. I'm glad you called in this time. Kevin's a real good guy. I've known him through uh, Tom Green, amongst others, for many, many years. He's a good dude. All right, Adam, are you ready? It's pink button time. Ooh, all right. And he called in twice, so bear with us. <laughs> hey, it's Ed from Pop Van Dam. And uh, I guess we're supposed to air some grievances. I was 
earlier today, I was thinking, well, what, what could I, what could I say? And it's like maybe bitch about Moodle a bit, because uh, that sucked. Um, but then I caught up with NXT results, and we're merging the cruiserweight title and the North American title, and probably getting rid of two of five live. So I'm I'm pretty pissed off, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drive my car down to Stanford, and I'm gonna fight Vince McMahon, and I'm gonna beat the fuck out of that old man, and I'm gonna take 205 Live from him, because he's a fucking dipshit that can't make money with that brand, when, at any point, when I had the greatest roster in the entire fucking company, and then Bruce Pritchard's fat ass is sitting there with him, and he's just all hung over whatever Vince says, and so fuck him too, and Brother Love sucks, and fuck Conrad, I know he's not involved, but he gets to talk to Bruce like, once a week, and he doesn't stop him from doing this stupid shit, like getting rid of 205 Live in the Cruiserweight title, I'm going to fight this man, I'm going to rip his fucking quads out, but <laughs> fucking... All right. Well, I did not know Ed had that gear. Like, I... <laughs> That is an intensity level that I was not prepared when you hit the pink button. <laughs> well, I'll say this. There was discussion in the Discord for Pod Van Dam about this. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's no way in hell that uh, uh, Ed would be able to beat up Vince McMahon. Vince would kick his ass. <laughs> well, Vince is dead. So, I mean, you think right, the, and how, the corpse would do it? <laughs> how more fucked up is that that a corpse would beat the hell out of Ed, too? Oh, well, I don't think Ed would lose to, to Vince McMahon. I think it'd be closer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> but he called back just like Dwight Howard. Go ahead. Well, I, right. I was going to just say this. And, and I don't think 205 Live itself is going to go away. It's just going to be kind of de-emphasized. Like, yeah. you know, uh, they've been airing now for several weeks on Raw. And again, I know I know, the, I know who I'm talking to, both Adam, <laughs> Ed, and everyone else listening to this. Um, there's been the promos for Veer Mahan is coming to Raw. I've seen the meme all over the place, you know? Did you know he wrestles on main event? I didn't know main event was still a show. Like, you you just said, like, they're going to de-emphasize 205 Live as if they're going to... This this huge media juggernaut push that has been behind 205 Live is going to (laughs) cease. 205 Live is just going to essentially become what NXT was before Triple H did it where uh like people get to like have their like first and second matches in front of a live studio audience for millions of people to see online so they could see how shitty they are yeah um and absolutely not be ready i know we had talked a couple weeks ago that like the war games match was like braun breakers like 12th or 13th match overall yeah uh, lost in the shuffle of things, uh, and I know he's wrestled since, but the War Games match was Tony D'Angelo's third match ever. <laughs> um, and then, you know, there was a whole big to-do online about the Lash Legend match that was on 205 Live. So Ed enjoyed the the Lash Legend match. I assume 205 Live is just going to be all Lash Legend matches from here on out. <laughs> and, and and if you want to see just a completely rational discourse about professional wrestling, just look at the comments of that Lash Legend elbow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, so Ed called back. Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, the straight on leg of these men, and I fucking hate them. I hate Vince McMahon for it. Fucking uh, Enzo, Neville, Rich Swan. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking 
Bud, Mike Bennett, and if this doesn't fucking come here, fuck him up. I'm gonna fuck that old man up. Hey, this is Ad from Pod Van Dam. Um, I just wanted to call back and uh, plug the Pod Van Dam's nominated for a uh, Taxi Awards from Tiger Driver for Best Podcast. But go there and uh, it's at Tiger Driver and next on Twitter. Go there, vote for us. Uh, it'd be great to win it because uh, then. We will be an award-winning podcast, and that's so fucking funny. Um, so please go do that. Okay, uh, bye. All right. Well, uh, this was actually going to be the part of the show where we were going to discuss uh, who we were going to pick for the Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium uh, Award since we did the nominees a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then they have the actual voting up, but the voting page is down and has been down for a couple hours. Uh, I did message Jerry, uh, but he's working the hard cam on the Beyond show, and he hasn't gotten to it yet. (laughs) So, uh, the Tiger Driver uh, 9X account is doing the Texies, T-E-X-X-Y-S. And uh, you can go vote, follow them on Twitter, uh, bit.ly slash Texies2021. It's kind of like a mix of, like, mainstream and indie voting for stuff. And I'll say this, you don't need to vote for everything. Like the little Google form will let you vote as you feel fit to do, right? Um, Like they have Wrestler of the Year, Breakout Wrestler of the Year, Goody Two-Shoes, Face of the Year, Player Hater of the Year, Most Improved, uh, Mike Awesome Award for like, you uh, uh, you know, big beefy guy who beats people up. Uh, Up Next Award, Match of the Year, Tag Team of the Year, Stable of the Year, Manager of the Year, Promotion of the Year, Show of the Year, Moment of the Year, Worst Moment of the Year, Feud of the Year, Promo of the Year, uh, the Come On Sun Award, which is like, you know, like more bullshit that happened in wrestling, Presenter of the Year, which I guess like covers like ring announcers, commentators, etc., etc., content... Let's just like I'm looking at this right now and it's only giving me like five or six predetermined choices. for Yeah. Okay. You were saying, oh, you can just kind of write in whoever you want. Well, no, no, no. What I was. No, no, no. My apologies. So if I said that, I apologize. So I'm just kind of going through everything. What I had said was um, like there's certain categories that, you know, I'm not qualified enough to make an educated guess or the options that they're giving me. I don't agree with. So I'm just not voting in them, right? Okay. Um, but then, like, we get to, like, best Twitter account, worst Twitter account, best wrestling Twitter account, best meme. And then at the very bottom, best wrestling podcast. Um, and they have last year's winner was Steve and Larson's Going In Raw, which I've never heard of. Uh, Public Enemies podcast, AEW Unrestricted, New Day podcast are honorable mentions. But your options for this year are Steven Larson's Going In Raw, looking to uh, two-peat, I guess. Uh, something called Deadlock, something called Grapsity, uh, Renee Young's podcast, and Pod Van Dam. So, uh, I don't know, like, the Tiger Driver account has, like, 11,000 followers. Um, you know, I think Pod Van Dam can really win this. I mean, they got my vote. I mean, just based on the the passion at which Edge is called twice. But 
Uh, so that I think that's a pre predetermined vote for me. I'm just kind of looking through all this, like, uh, like right off the bat, wrestler of the year, Brosie's not even a candidate. So I mean, this is kind of a sus uh, thing, anyways. Well, like when I voted, he, when he I is, voted, oh, he's in player hater of the year. Yeah, he's also in the. There was something else I scrolled by, but when I voted in the wrestling cheers AIW polls uh, a couple days ago, I I voted a straight Broski ticket. Like I voted <laughs> along party lines. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to do, like, I don't know if you want to do anything on the air other than vote for Pod Van Dam, but I'm going to, this. there's a lot of things I feel like I can vote on in here. Eddie yeah. Kingston is the wrestler of the year. That's a given, you know? Yeah, but. so, like, I'm going to do, like, not a, str- like, if Eddie Kingston's in there as an option, I'm going Eddie Kingston, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say breakout wrestler of the year. I'm going to go Daniel Garcia. It's close between him and Dante Martin, but I saw Dante Martin on another one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Goody um, Two Shoes Face of the Year. And we'll, uh, Eddie Kingston. Yeah, Eddie Kingston, obviously. Player uh, Hater of the Year, Broski, of course. Yeah. Oh, so that, okay, that's Heel of the Year. Fair yeah. enough. Most Improved, Tay Conti. Tay Conti, of course. Yep. Um, Mike Awesome Award, again, Eddie Kingston. Of course. Uh, I, I'll say up next award, I'll vote because he's a friend of the show with Jason and Kid Bandit. He was a standout in one of those uh, Nightmare Family showcases, so I'll give uh, a tip of my John Cena cap to him. I'm going to skip that category. I don't I don't know anything. Okay. Uh, match of the year, I'm going to say, uh, and this is tough for me, as much as I liked Punk versus Eddie Kingston, I'm going to go with uh, Kenny and Brian Danielson there. Hmm. I'm going to assume this Bucks Lucha Brothers was the uh, the steel cage match at like two pay-per-views ago or last pay-per-view. Possibly. Uh, I might go that way. Okay. I'm, go- I'm going. I might. Uh, that's it. I'm saying it. I'm putting okay. my money where my mouth is. I'm going Bucks Lucha Brothers. Yeah. Uh, tag team of the year. Uh, I'm skipping that one. Yeah. There's nothing on there for me. I don't feel strongly enough about any of the things there. Uh, Stable of the year, I'm going to pick Team Taz, just on hook alone. (laughs) See, I mean, Team Taz is really strong at the top with Taz and with Hook, obviously. But, yeah, you know, there's not much else there. I mean, (sighs) the bloodline, man. I've been told earlier in this podcast that I shit on all things WWE, and and rightfully so. But, you know, I acknowledge the head of the table, the tribal Mm -hmm. chief. So... I'm going the bloodline manager of the year. I'm going Malcolm Bivens. Uh, I'll throw that one in there. Yeah. Honorable mention Taz, but Malcolm Bivens. Sure. Promotion of the year. I'll say AEW from the options given. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's not much there. AEW. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, show of the year. I'm going to say full gear. I really enjoyed full gear. Uh, GCW Homecoming. Is that the one I was at? I don't know show names. I don't know. The, uh, I'm going to come back to that one, because if that was okay. the Atlantic City show, then that's that's Matt, that's show of the year. Well, I'll say best wrestling moment of the year. Broski wins the GCW title. I'm absolutely going with that. Oh, I love the fact that that is you know, higher in than, than CM Punk Returns, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, worst wrestling moment of the year. Um, I think a little bit later on in the Come On Sun, they have the WWE releases, so I don't want to give that double whatever, you yeah. know? 
Um, so let's say Josh Alexander losing to Moose is my Ooh. worst wrestling moment of the year. Um, See, that that one does suck, but at the end of the day, I don't care about Impact that much. So okay. I might go Demon loses to a busted turnbuckle. All right, not a bad choice. Yeah. Uh, feud of the year. Again, I got to go, even though it was short, what they did in that short amount of time uh, was fantastic, and that's Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, I, I don't like one of them, but I, I got to go Effie versus Broski. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, promo of the year. I got to go Eddie versus Punk. I, I could have, it could be an, any of them could have been Eddie's. Uh, God, it, it, it hurts me that Miro's God promos won't win this one. Uh, but yeah, I got to go Eddie Kingston. The Come On Sun Award. We have AEW's booking of women, NXT Two Point Glow, WWE releases and WWE in general. Oh, um, I feel as though they could have added a couple more things in there, but I'll, this is where I'll just vote for the WWE releases and be done with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I would tolerate the existence of NXT 2, 2.0. If like everybody worth keeping was still there on the main roster. So I'll go, I'll go releases. Right. Presenter of the year, which is your like ring announcer, um, uh, commentator, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going with Taz. If, you, if you're not going Taz, then I, I think, you know, like the only other option there is Tony Schiavone because Tony's a good man. Yeah. Uh, content creator of the year. I'm going Brian Zane because of the ones mentioned there, he's the only one that I watch. I don't know when any of that is, so I'm skipping it. Okay. Um, best wrestling merch of the year. Um, I'm skipping that one. Yeah, that Eddie Kingston shirt wasn't uh, right. something that I would want. Where I would ever wear. Uh, worst wrestling merch of the year. Um, I'll say Tessa Blanchard, but that would have been an almost skip, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, artist of the year. Um, skipping that one. Yeah. Um, the Lyle C. Williams Award for Wrestling Photography, and sadly, I'm not familiar with any of the folks there, so I'm not educated enough to vote in that one. Uh, I follow Beyond Gorilla on Twitter. They do okay. a lot of the AEW backstage stuff, and they're nice, so I'm voting for them. Okay, so I'll, I'll stand in solidarity with the show and vote for you with that one, right? All right. Uh, best pro wrestling Twitter account is Malcolm Bivens. 100%. Um, worst pro wrestling Twitter account, you could have had a thousand uh, <laughs> options here. <clears throat> and the fact that uh, Brian Pillman Jr. is not in this, I will begrudgingly vote for Ric Flair. See, I, I, I'm i sure Ric Flair is terrible on Twitter. I've never been exposed to it. And I can't be exposed to Chris Jericho because he has me blocked. So I'm going Austin Aries. Okay. Uh, best wrestling Twitter account, which is like non-wrestler Twitter accounts. And I'll say the Toro Yano fan account, because that's the only one of those ones mentioned that I follow. Yeah, I'm skipping. Uh, wrestling meme of the year. Um, I have to go with uh, Horny JR. Uh, I'm going send hook. I'm on the hook train. Okay. <laughs> And then lastly, of course, we mentioned Best Wrestling Podcast, and that's Pod Van Dam. Without a doubt. Unless yep. Renee Young's calling into the voicemail next week, uh, Pod Van Dam's got me, uh, even though I'm blocked. You know what? Ooh, hold on a sec. Wait, you're blocked by Pod Van Dam? Uh, well, I'm blocked from calling the voicemails. I'm banned. Oh. 
Fucking Jonas. He, just because I wouldn't jokerify friend of the show, Arthur MacArthur, uh, I've been banned from the voicemail. So that, That's part of Jonas's weird Trump fan gimmick, but <laughs> also Fortnite player, also like weird like sex creep gimmick that's doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. You know, yeah. I know it works well for him. Like I see those tweets that he sends out and they get zero likes and zero interaction. So it's working out great. Yeah. Uh, but I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Uh, uh, but you I, know, I submitted my uh, my request there. Uh, there's nothing I hate more, Joe, than like a podcaster doing a bit or playing a character. Uh, so I, I don't condone what he's doing, but uh, I will 1000% vote for Pod Van Dam. I, I thoroughly enjoy listening to Pod Van Dam. I know we plug the hell out of him from week to week, but like uh, always listen to us first a couple times and then go listen to pod van dam if you don't already so exactly. uh, i'm just taking a look because i think i skipped something at the top because that was undecided on yeah i'm ready to submit as well yep pod van dam podcast of the year all right and then uh, maybe nominate us for next year yeah but, i don't know how you get into that you know but yeah. it is what it is i'm just glad that someone we know is involved right yeah or you know we need wrestling or Final Wrestling Place, much more deserving than some of these other shows that are listed there, I'm sure. Well, listen, you know, <laughs> I know a couple weeks ago when we first did the voicemail, uh, Kevin asked us to do our own year-end awards type thing. But I, cool. I feel as though going through the uh, IWTV ones a week or two ago, going through this one, that's good enough. These are our year-end awards, right? We oh, voted in, like, other people's year-end awards. 100%. Like, the Kevin suggested something that would have amounted to way too much work for one of us. So I'm not... Yeah. I'm not <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, you can help us out, uh, not by voting for us any sort of year-end awards. Um, you know what? It's once a year. I don't know. Like, leave a review for us on <gasps> iTunes or what? whatever podcatcher you use. Um it's not real. It doesn't work. Um, unless like tomorrow we get uh, like 10 positive reviews, then we move up in the rankings. But if we get 10 positive reviews over 10 days, it literally does nothing. I've looked into it. But again, <laughs> it's 10 mm, positive reviews a day for 10 days. Right. No, well, no, no, not even that. If we get like 10 positive reviews in one day, we jump up in the charts. And then we stay there for like a couple days. But if we get like a review today, a review tomorrow, a review the next day, a review the next day, it's still 10 reviews, but because it wasn't all in one big surge, it doesn't mean a lick of shit. Hmm. We need to start doing the, the 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 gimmick where it's like, send us a screenshot of your reviews no. and we'll send you an autographed 8 by 10 <laughs> Absolutely not. You're going to start printing up some Vansky headbands? <laughs> the Vansky of the week. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, real actual ways that you could help us is, is when we tweet out the show, retweet it, tell a friend, tell them to listen to us. Um, you know, I love seeing so many people calling in active listenership is awesome. Um, you know, s signing up for IWTV using our promo code. It doesn't give you anything free, but if you've never used IWTV before and you stick around and you absolutely will, because they have tons of shows coming up, nothing this weekend. Of course it's Christmas. But New Year's, I think there's a bunch of stuff. If you're not going to the LVAC show, I think they're doing that wrestle, wrestle festival thing. I forget what the fuck it's called. But they're doing, like, a ton of shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Get into there. Check all that stuff out. Um, you could also help us out by making uh, going to our 
tpublicstore.tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, you can get uh, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, um, uh, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Hit My Music, designs on shirts and cell phone covers and notebooks and all sorts of shit like that. Uh, but most importantly, you can make any and all of your holiday purchases or holiday returns and repurchases for the stuff that you actually wanted through our Amazon affiliate link, which is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, uh, call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. And uh, I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases for the click-through this past week include uh, the Funko Pop Artists series Marvel Infinity Saga Captain America. And that one actually looks kind of cool. It's kind of like this weird translucent blue-looking one. Uh, not like the uh, Doctor Strange one that uh, Shane Hagedorn tweeted out last week that looks like it's molded out of, like, snot or boogers or something. <laughs> I didn't see that tweet. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Uh, then there was also another one for Marvel's uh, The Falcon and Winter Soldier Funko Pop of the Winter Soldier. Uh, kind of stylized looking version of him. Kind of like how he looks at the end of the series. Uh, if I didn't notice the cybernetic arm, I wouldn't have known it was him. Huh. See, I mm, I know which, what you're, you're talking about. I, I do like the Winter Soldier Pops, and I'm going to have to see if I have that one. Yeah, I don't know. He's got like short hair, and he's got like a stubble. And I don't know. I didn't like it. Okay. Um, but I'm not criticizing you. I just think the design could have been a little bit more, like, eye-catching, you know? Gotcha. And uh, somebody purchased, uh, I think, from your conversation last week, uh, one of the Hasbro G.I. Joe classified series of the Bat, the Battle Android Trooper figure. And, of course, that is a very nice-looking figure. Yeah. Well, good choice, whoever bought that. You got to build your army. Yep. All right. Uh, hey, I'm sure this is the end of the plug. So uh, as if we didn't put over Pod Van Dam enough, there are some podcasts you should listen to, including Pod Van Dam, Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, IWTV Guide, Hellions Talks, as long as it isn't canceled after this week's voicemail, and The A-Show. And Joe, I, I begrudgingly, I, I, you know how much I hate talking about The A-Show, I kind of wish it would go away, but uh, it does have a, a, a tournament final coming up featuring friends of the show, members of the soon-to-be-named network, uh, Dwicky, the Jingle Meister, versus Tim, I lost twice to Adam Van, I shouldn't be in the tournament, Taylor. So, uh, <laughs> You know, that's the finals, and I guess that's upcoming when Tim gets back from Florida. Yeah, he's been uh, putting his stuff up on Instagram, which, again, I don't know, know nothing about no Instagram. So I'm, gl I'm glad he's having a good time in Florida. Yep, so that, uh, well, well, you know, enjoy your vacation, Tim. I'm sure he's going to listen to this on his way home. But, uh, yeah, so the tournament final is coming up soon, and finally uh, this sham tournament will be over. Just in time for another sham tournament for you to complain about, so. Ah, I don't know if I'll give him the time of day when it gets to the next season. We'll see. Fair enough. I think that's it for the main show. That is it for the main show. And now it is time for. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. 
your figures will be bought. <laughs> Uh, it still pops me sometimes, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm surprised that's not your ringtone. <laughs> Who says it's not? <laughs> oh, boy. So I forgot. It. So I'm just going to say this before we get into weekly purchases. Um, I meant to mention this during the voicemail section. Hopefully you're still listening to this. And we'll make sure to tweet this out. Next week's voicemail. Uh, tell us what your opinions, thoughts, and feelings are about the likes and dislikes segments. Keep it. Change it. Get rid of it substitute it with something let us know what you think or just as normal call in whatever the hell you want yeah but uh kevin ford kevin number two because he's the second kevin that's ever called into the show uh he makes a good point i get where it may not be a lot of people's favorite thing because it ends up just kind of being repetitive and i get you it does but you know we had likes and dislikes, uh, you know, we, I kind of worked in what would have been some of the likes and dislikes to the natural body of the show anyway. Um, so you let us know. Uh, like it, don't like it, get rid of it, replace it. You tell us, and uh, we'll go with kind of like a majority vote on that. Yeah. All right. I'm down for that. Because we're split. Adam wants to get rid of it. I I, I want to keep it. Yeah. I, well, I want to get rid of wrestling talk, period. So however that happens, you know? Sure. <laughs> Uh, so let me, uh, cause I have two and you only have one, right? Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing, Joe, uh, 2022, uh, I announced this earlier this week is, <laughs> is the year of financial responsibility, Joe. And I'm starting things off early and I only have one purchase so far. So yeah, uh, I'll let you go ahead and then I'll jump in in the middle and I'll let you close it out. So I'm still sharing my screen with you. I don't know if you can see. I have that in my bookmarks, that tweet of you saying that. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I didn't like it because uh-huh. I know the truth, right? <laughs> well, what are you searching for, Joe? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Oh, hang on. Uh, look at you using Twitter desktop. <laughs> I'm an old. Leave me alone. <laughs> Okay, so there's December 21st. Yep, yep. There's June 29th, okay, in all series. It starts now. <laughs> uh, March 12th, uh, 44 outstanding pre-orders. Uh, once they arrive, the year of financial responsibility <laughs> begins there. Um, February 10th, as you listed a bunch of Transformers, you said that it is the year of financial responsibility. <laughs> January 30th, you had brought the micro brawlers from the Toy Boys and said that that was the year of financial responsibility. Um, January 15th, after you purchased some baseball man's card, I uh, said that it begins on January 16th. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there you go. Well, see, here's the thing. The pandemic pushed back a lot of people's plans, Joe. That's you know, true. So, like, a lot of people were planning on getting married or going on vacations. They had to wait another year just because, you know, this stuff happens. So, that is why the year of financial responsibility didn't start in 2021. But this is the year, Joe. So, I'm starting off early. But Go ahead. What do you got? All right. So, uh, I finally got a chance. And, you know, obviously, if you listen to uh, After Dark, which is going to come out a little bit later on today, um, I kind of detail what's been going on here in this household for the last couple of weeks. 
Um, we had been under quarantine because my kid ended up testing positive for COVID. So I didn't get a chance to go out and do some of the final bits of shopping that I needed to do. And one of the things that I was getting for my wife was like a spa package, manicure, pedicure sort of thing. Uh, she's on her feet all the time at her job. And, you know, she's always got problems with the skin in her feet. So I wanted to get her something for that. And then with me being off of work, super secret science job this week and having time to go do that. Um, she recovering from a couple surgeries that she had three weeks ago, which again, I get into the whole thing on after dark. Um, not going to bore everything with that there, but like literally as I'm making the transaction with the people to buy the spa package, she called me to go and run her pills over to her. Cause she returned to work this week. And it was like the most inopportune time for her to call. And as I was there, they were really trying to upsell me on like the three and four and $500 packages. One looking at the way that I look. <laughs> and two, um, those things, it's like these immersive things where it's like two, three, four, five hours. And I know my wife, like she, if she has time off, she doesn't like to use it for herself. But the fact that I got her this, mm -hmm. uh, she has to use it for what I got it for. She can't like gift it to someone else or let it sit or whatever it is. Um, even if I have to make the scheduled appointment for her so that, you know, she gets this. And they gave it to me in like a fancy, like whole big, like gift certificate container and a big fancy, like gift bag to put it in. And I'm like, oh, this saves me the trouble of going to get that shit. Luckily, I didn't buy this stuff before before I came here, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I'm surprised that like, when you went in, like they're trying to upsell you because they're like, oh, you're, you, you've got to be working double time to keep a woman. <laughs> so we, <laughs> <laughs> you better spend up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 it's going to be a nice day for her and hopefully, you know, she actually, um, takes, takes part of it, you know? Yeah. And doesn't like try to like do that and then like, you know, take too much on her shoulders, you know, let her relax. Exactly. All right, cool. All right, Joe. So I said, I only bought one thing and we had talked about this a couple weeks ago that very briefly, the toy boys put up for order. Uh, a limited amount of the major bendies and I passed on them. And right, that they, shipping was just too much. It was a little bit, the shipping and tax and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do it. Uh, so that window closed. And then I had some uh, DMing back and forth with uh, Mr. Justin Summers of Wrestling Cheers. And uh, we talked about it. And at random, a couple days ago, Knick put a couple more of them up for sale. So I did grab the set of major bendies and I will be sending over uh, Mr. Hornswoggle straight to Justin Summers when it comes in. So uh, I bought the four pack, but I am keeping Broski, uh, Kurt Hawkins and Marky. And what you're just sending. So you're sending Swoggle to who? Justin Summers. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so the way that they, you said it, it sounded like you were sending the Hornswoggle one to Hornswoggle. Oh no, <laughs> you don't need my charity. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's just that was the one that Justin really wanted, and that was the one that I didn't really want. So it works out nicely that you know we're gonna split ski it evenly. You know, like I'm obviously I'm gonna pay for seventy five percent of the the bundle, and he's gonna pay for twenty five percent. Gotcha. Should be less based on size of the figure, but uh, what's fair is fair. <laughs> you know? 
But yeah, that's what I, that's, uh, I bought the major bendies and I do not feel compelled to have all four of them because I have no intention of buying any series two. And so I don't need to be a completist with that. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten bit. Like, luckily I was busy on Monday and I missed their whole whatever it was in the whatnot thing. Uh, but if I was in there and I would have probably tried to get the Brian solo, but I missed it. So I missed it. You know, do that. We spoke about that last week when you suggested it. Did you see what it went for? No. What did it go for? 150 bucks. No, I wouldn't have bought it. Yeah, that's where I, we were talking because you had suggested that it might have been a viable deal. And I'm like, no way that that's going to sell for less than the four pack, you know? Mm-hmm. That's but, crazy. Uh, for those that aren't in the, that sphere of uh, like reading about that, the uh, wedding brawler sold for $1,200. A pair of uh, Chelsea and Matt wedding brawlers, $1,200. Ridiculous. How much did yeah. the uh, Effie jacket sell for? Uh, I think it was like 500 or no, no, was it? No, no. He, uh, Broski had it commissioned for $500. Oh, yeah, yeah. So $212. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was not happy about that. Uh, but, hey, he made enough money in micro brawlers. And uh, he did also sell some of uh, Chelsea's uh, Halloween costume. And he leaned into uh, the sniffability of it. So that was a thing. So, <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> But yeah, that that whatnot show was a good time. You should check it out one of these days. Like, do what I do. I do not have any ability to buy anything. I watch it for the pure entertainment factor of it. Right. All right. Well, that's all I have for purchases. What about you, Joe? You have one more? Yeah, I do have one more. So uh, this week on uh, Longbox Heroes, Todd and I did our annual gift exchange. And he had gotten me in a fig defender, a nice looking... Uh, you know, there was like one tiny little crease in the back, um, mint in box, 1983, return of the Jedi bib Fortuna action figure. Uh, and I had said either here or there or other places that if I was going to start any sort of star Wars collection, it would be bib Fortuna. Cause he was like the weird oddball, uh, character that kind of stuck out for me. Yeah. You know? Uh, from when I was a kid and just like the design of the character and the look of the character was really cool. And I'm like, oh, if I ever did a collection, it'd be them. Looked it up on eBay one time and I'm like, nah, okay, whatever it is. But now that Todd got me one, I can't just have one because then I look like an idiot, right? And I got to get them all. <laughs> of course. And luckily, there's not a ton of Bib Fortuna figures. Uh, there's only six in total, right? Okay. And I'm not talking Funko Pops. I'm not talking, um, like, they did, like, 12-inch doll-style ones, you know? And I think, like, the Bib Fortuna comes in, like, a two-pack with, like, a Gamorrean guard or some shit, right? Yeah. I'm just talking, like, your standard, normal size figures. Uh, so there's the original one from 83. There's the Power of Force re-release from the 90s. Uh, then there's the, quote-unquote, original trilogy collection, and then a Saga collection, both from, like, the 2000s. Um, and then there's the Black Series one, which we'll get into. And then there's the Vintage collection, which there, I my purchase was the pre-order of that. Okay. So I did the pre-order of that. It claims that it's not coming out until May, but I have the pre-order for it. It was 15 bucks. I'm like, perfect. We're good, right? Let me ask you this. Who did you pre-order the Vintage Series figure from? Okay, so this we're going to have to ask you. Obviously, I know where to get wrestling toys from. Mm. I did the pre-order for this off Amazon. Oh, 
Okay. So where should I have done the pre-order for this from? Well, here's the thing with Amazon. And if you were to order a WWE basic figure from Amazon, you know, like a carded figure, bubble figure, they will ship it in a bubble envelope. Um, I recently ordered uh, a Black Series carded Star Wars figure from Amazon, but it was an Amazon exclusive, and I knew going into it that they were individually boxed, you know, uh, by, like, Kenner or Toy Biz or whoever makes those, and then Amazon would ship that box inside of either another box or a bag, so you had that extra level. Uh, So what I'm getting at is... Amazon, I would say you have a 75% chance that that is just thrown in a bag. Hmm. Um, now, I don't, that's not to say that any other big box retailer, you would have like a guarantee to the contrary. So, like uh, Walmart, Best Buy, Target, you're all kind of flipping a coin whether they're going to box it or they're going to, uh, you know, throw it in a baggie. But the nice thing about Amazon, is even if they do throw it in a bag, you just click on the things that says send me another one and uh-huh. you just drop that other one off at Kohl's or, you know, print out a shipping label, you know. So if it's something that is not extremely rare or limited, you can go do that dance and maybe like the second or the third one they'll ship to you boxed. Right. Um, now, if it, I can pre-order it through Hasbro Pulse's website. Yeah, but it's more expensive probably, right? No, it's the same price. But you don't pay shipping. Right, I don't pay shipping on Amazon, right. Yeah, so that that's the rub there. I would say with Hasbro Pulse, you're, they're going to ship it to you in a box. Mm-hmm. That's just a definitive thing. Uh, you could also look at, if you're comparing shipping prices, uh, Entertainment Earth has a mint guarantee. But the, the downside to them is, let's say Amazon tells you, hey, this figure releases... I don't know, we'll just say February 1st. Uh, and then Amazon's going to ship it to you on the 2nd. You're going to get it on the 3rd mm-hmm. of February. Entertainment Earth will say thanks for your pre-order, and then they'll send it to you next November. It'll be mint as hell, though. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll get it a year later. So, I mean, I think with something like that, a $15 fig, I wouldn't mind doing the dance of going back and forth with the Amazon. Maybe you'll be lucky. Right, so they're not very expensive figures. Um, you know, the Power of the Force one from the 90s, you know, I could probably get it decent shape for like 16 to 20 bucks. Uh, the other two from like the 2000s look to be like 20 to $30 figures. Now, where I run into the issue is, is the Black Series one, okay? Okay. So all of the, like when I search, there's a bunch of people that say, the Black Series is a pre-order, and it's not coming out until next year. But then there's tons of people that have it in hand, ready to go. And they're not like international sellers or anything like that. So why would some people be saying pre-order and other people saying not pre-order? Uh, dis- 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 distribution problems. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, I recently, on my Instagram, I sent... Uh, Today, actually, I posted a picture of an Iron Man, Thanos, two-pack Marvel Legends things. Mm -hmm. I pre-ordered that from the importer-exporter place uh, in June. They hit the streets, I want to say October. And uh, 
I have since bought one on eBay, and my importer exporter order still says coming soon. Gotcha. So I canceled the importer exporter pre order, obviously, because uh, I just got tired of waiting. So uh, release dates for toy toys are wildly inconsistent. It's not like a movie or a CD dropping where it's like here's the release date everywhere. It's just whenever that retailer happens to get them. Yeah, you know what? I will say this as I'm looking this over. Uh, there's a lot of people that are trying to sell it like with two or three uh, other figures at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, and then like here's a guy, and like it's it's selling for like fifty bucks, right? And I don't feel comfortable spending fifty bucks just yet on this. No, once it becomes available everywhere, that's a at retail price is twenty. You'll get it for twenty. Yeah, but then like I see a lot of them that are saying that they have it like in hand, and not all of them, but a a, a few of them. Like Australia, Canada, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's it's a nice little small collection. It's six figures, and I got the first one, so that like has begun that sickness, you know? Yep. You will soon become the Michael Jordan of Bib Fortuna collecting. <laughs> yes. That is the that is the dream. <laughs> and, well, that, and, so the, and then that's the thing is once I get these six, then we can start talking about like, okay, maybe I get the Funko Pop, maybe I get the twelve-inch figure, so on and so forth. But um, I have to go through another non-ringside as I'm grabbing the figure now. Uh, Todd did get it for me in a uh, fig protector, and it's a uh, mocmasters.com, not a sponsor. Okay, uh, of the show. And I assume that they do, like, more than just, like, the wrestling figure ones, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I If you ever see, like, in your travels, I am looking for, uh, like, a, a fig defender, but not made of, like, cheap plastic, like, bubble plastic. I want, like, acrylic, like, hard acrylic mm-hmm. that would fit, like, a Star Wars figure because I have an autographed Boba Fett and an autographed Darth Vader figure. Oh, okay. These are, like, the Power of the Force figures from the 90s, but, like, obviously those, like, David Prowse and, uh, God, I'm having a blank spot here on who played Darth Vader. Not not James Earl Jones, but, um, Jeremy Bullock and and David Prowse. But it's autographed by them, and they're not with us anymore. So, like, I want to get those in, like, uh, something that can display the figure, but it isn't, like, a ringside defender, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, uh, this one, uh, the 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 MOC Masters one, it's a it's essentially like a ringside one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are great if you know if you're not going to move it around and if it's going to go in a detail or something like that. Yeah, it's like I said, it's going to go on the wall, you know, eventually. And I have a few, and the only reason I haven't like bit the bullet on the other ones that are up there is because it is Christmas time. I don't yeah. want to spend money on myself just yet. Um, and it's not like I had these on my list because it was one of those things where it's like, nah, we'll do it one day. Um, so I don't think anyone else got me these for Christmas, so it's not like I'm going to be stepping on anyone's toes if I just decide to buy them right now, but buying something for myself, like, the day of Christmas or Christmas Eve or whatever this is, feels kind of gauche, so. Yeah. All right, well, good luck in your collection, Sarah. Yep, thank you very much. And that's it, I think. You have nothing else, right? I I have literally nothing else. Awesome. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this will... 
go up right as uh, Festivus is ending. Um, you know, there are swears in this, so don't play this for your family at Christmas Eve or if you don't celebrate Christmas, I'm sure you're getting ready to get together with your family at some point over the next couple days. Um, you know, I just say, everyone, uh, be safe, enjoy some wrestling, happy holidays, and uh, we'll see you all here next week. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.